It is June 25th, 2018. This is the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Talk about Monday Night Raw. Uh, interesting Monday Night Raw, and that some things happened, and a lot didn't happen. Matt, all in all, what did you think of tonight's show? We got Mr. Matt Morgan, Justin Obar, but Matt, I'm anxious to get your take on what seemed to be a very divisive Raw on social media tonight. What was so divisive? Whether it was good or not? Whether it was anything or not. I mean, the main event was cool, and Bailey turned, but at this point, do we care? No, but it's something. Um, there was intrigue for me as a fan between Bobby and, and uh, Roman. And what stuck out most on the show to me this evening was <sighs> Bully Ray 100% calling out what tonight's finish of that tag match was going to be mm. with top guys versus uh, Lashley and Reigns. I swear to God. He called there be a miscommunication between the two. One would spear the other is what he said. And then there'd be a roll up from behind. Yeah. And it would give them a win, you know, pull them up out of their slump a little bit, right? Make them look semi credible as a tag team that's lost every match until now. <laughs> um, so, like, that's these are personal things that stuck out to me the most. I mean, he called it on Busted Open today. I was really impressed by that, actually. Um, but, I mean, Bobby and Roman talking was the most intriguing thing for me this evening um, until they pulled the old Brock Lesnar crap again. You know what I mean? How he's not showing up and blah, 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 blah. Then it became repetitive again. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah, yeah so they announced Kurt, Kurt Angle was out there announcing uh, that it's not going to be a multi-man match at Extreme Rules to determine the number one contender. Talking about Paul Heyman's social media. that got a lot of plugging tonight. Um, I don't even know what the Facebook post was supposed to say, but something along the lines of, no, that's not you know what's happening. Um, so Roman came out. Bobby came out, they started arguing, the Revival came out, that led to a match between them. And yeah, as Matt said, Revival picked up a win there during the uh, infighting between Roman and Bobby. So Justin, what did you think about this start of the show compared to last week when we both had, you know, we had the women open both Raw and SmackDown, and this tonight was, uh, you know, back back to the Roman, Kurt, and Bobby show. Well, I wasn't opposed to the open. I mean, look, you know, Roman's still a uh, top priority for them and it is talking about you know the universal champion Brock Lesnar who we all assume has at least one more match until he's you know, gone and going back to UFC and I find it interesting though and, and I'm, I'm the first one to admit that Brock Lesnar he is a step above everybody else he's he's booked with a little bit more realism he has more realism behind everybody his matches are, are, are you know but something kind of something kind of gets at me is, you know when I have Bobby Lashley sitting there saying you know I'm the only one with legit tools and I'm the only one with a legit background I kind of just screamed at everybody in the middle of the show Okay, it's predetermined, but we're supposed to remember that this guy's got an enemy pass. I don't know. I, I'm all for the realistic booking of Brock Lesnar, but when I have Lashley screaming about how he has legit tools and he's the only legit guy, uh, I, I think it can send some mixed messages. But maybe I'm just Nick Pitton here. Oh, Matt, we lost your audio. We're not hearing uh, Matt. I think your mic came loose. I think something. He's saying, can we hear me now? No. Matt, if you know sign language, American over English, uh, just... <laughs> <laughs> Somebody uh, in the fans put that in the highlight reel. Uh, no, we're not getting... Try disconnecting and reconnecting, Matt. Maybe that'll work. I, th I think you can hear us. Technical difficulties, folks. Put subtitles. We're going to make this work. It's not coming through, Matt. Well, Glenn, I want to say that. Yeah. Well, I want to say that I think the highlight of the whole show was the Riot Squad, who's such a riot and such a squad, how they disrupted the entire Jinder Mahal photo shoot. I thought that really stood out to me today. They finally uh, destroyed something of, of value. Yeah, right. That was looked like maybe a four hundred dollar DSLR camera. So random, too. Like, why why would they interrupt the the Jinder photo shoot? I bet you that happened because somebody back there was like, we got this broken camera that's, that's broken already if you want to trash it. And they wrote the piece to use something that was safe to, to thrash. I suppose. That was, probably, that was probably the highlight for me, by the way. Of the entire show. So yeah. uh, right to the, Let's just jump right to the end. I'll give you the highlight. Yeah. Matt, anything? No. Oh, there we go. We got you, Matt. I thought Bobby protected himself just fine by by saying that he had the uh, legitimate tools he didn't say hey i'm a badass mma fighter you know what i mean i don't know i thought he did a it could have been a lot worse getting back to what you know. 
Yeah, and it was good when he said, what was the thing he said about Brock? That Brock's not showing up because he's tired of every time he steps in the ring, he has to look at you? He, he beats you, yeah. He's got no one yeah. here. To he's got no no competition. Yeah. So following up on that, I made a joke online tonight, and I'm surprised at the answer I got tweeting at Paul Heyman, who was supposedly watching tonight. First word we got on Raw from Brock Lesnar's camp in a while, this idea Paul Heyman was watching Raw. And I was saying, if Paul's really watching Raw, why isn't he tweeting you know, stupid and snarky things about the commercials like the rest of us? And then Paul Heyman responds to me, and uh, yeah, I was surprised he took this dig, basically saying that when it's uh, you know all these uh, pretenders instead of contenders, that the commercials are the show in Raw, which is why he had nothing bad to say about it. So there you go. Um, but you know, I don't blame him. I mean, it is kind of weird, right? I mean, Seth Rollins is holding down Fort. You know, there are these guys that are doing great work, but man, the main event scene uh, for the Universal Championship has just been sad for as far back as I can remember. It's been too long without having the title on the show. It's been it's been too long. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. I don't care if he's under contract or not. He doesn't need to have the title to be an attraction. There's a million things we can say as to why he doesn't need to have the title. Yeah. So the revival, Matt, we were talking about this last week. Is it better than nothing getting this TV time? And tonight they picked up a win. Do you think they do anything with this or creative is just going to keep them as a footnote in this story between Bobby and Roman? It could go either way. We don't know. It literally can go either way. Yeah, but it's the type of situation, right? I mean, you guys agree that if they do good with this and they impress somebody, maybe they'll get a shot at the B team after Extreme Rules. Maybe they'll get a better storyline or something if they do good with this. That's the way it's supposed to work. That's the way it usually works. But the problem is that tag division, there is no, like, hot angle for them. Like, what tag team? The best tag team they have is Matt Hardy and, you know, uh, Bray Wyatt. I mean... It's garbage. No offense. It's not a good tag division. Well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if they try to you know, keep some momentum, pick some momentum up, rather, for the Revival through the rest of the summer. And if the uh, tag titles stay on, Matt and Bray, maybe, you know, because la this time last year, it, you know, they were looking at trying to do Hardys and Revival. And then we had the, somebody in the Revival got hurt. Uh, you know, J Jeff got hurt. And so it kind of all fell apart. And they, they were kind of on a great pace to build through the rest of the summer into a TLC first TLC pay-per-view back with the Hardys and WWE. So I wouldn't be surprised. The Revival kind of standing for that old school. You know, they should be wearing the, you know, the the, the fanny packs and the Rivera jackets. I wouldn't be surprised if, <laughs> if, if yeah, the Revival, and then maybe maybe something with, uh, you know, Matt and Bray, assuming they stay together and they're still the champs uh, coming in the fall. Matt and Bray just aren't exciting for me anymore. I, I like, I don't know. It's doing more for Bray than it is Matt, unfortunately. So, Matt Morgan, here's a question since Justin brought up the Rivera Steakhouse jackets. Have you actually been to Rivera Steakhouse, and do you own the jacket? Yeah. Well, we don't talk about that ever. Your time well, in Japan, you know, I learned you're, things. You've been there for two years almost. Yeah, the, the Why It Ended uh, podcast. Man, listening to that, I learned a lot about you. So you think I lived there in Japan for almost two years and didn't trip and fall and live in, land in the only really Americanized uh, steakhouse that they have there that every wrestler goes to? And did you buy the jacket? They don't buy it. They give them to you. Oh, they give it to you. And you, you got one? Did they give you one? Yeah. There you go. No, I, one wrestler they said no to, Glenn. I, hey, wouldn't that be funny, though, if there was one that were like, no, we weren't really a fan of the stuttering gimmick. Oh, no, Matt Morgan, not over. No jacket for you. Hey, it's a freaking, like, referees now. Shit. I see everybody who has one. Back in the day, it used to be special when you got one. Now yeah. I see dudes that, I don't know. It's played out. Yes, it uh, became too popular. I might, uh, be able to, I might be able to get the ultimate internet heat if I can go buy one of those jackets aware and act like I deserve it. Hey, you know, just watch it. A wrestler's going to hit hard times. Put one up on eBay. It'll be a huge controversy. <laughs> like, you didn't earn that, man. Um, Matt Hardy versus Curtis Axel. We got more of Curtis and Bo doing impressions of Bray and Matt. Led to a one-on-one -on -one match with Kurt Axel, uh, picking up a quick upset win over Matt Hardy. And Extreme Rules, the title match has been made. So they're dragging this out. Matt, is this going to hold your attention, this feud with the B-team, that when all is said and done, will have gone on for, what, maybe eight to ten weeks before the actual championship match? No. No. Yeah. yeah. Justin, how about you? You still in on this? Yeah, I'm iffy. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I think this is maybe doing more for Bray for a little bit of resurgence to him than it is for Matt. Um, 
I, I mean, I'm happy for the B team. You know, they're they're they they have some momentum. The people are you know buying the shirts that you know basically are white T-shirts with the Sharpie B on them. So, you know, talk about throwing it against the wall and seeing if it sticks. But I mean, overall, this isn't really exciting me too much. I mean, I, I like all four of these guys, so I kind of tune in and try to give it hope each week just out of, again, courtesy to each of them individually, but it's not. Right. I'll say this. I think to the to the, to the end of that match with Hardy and Axel and how it was, you know, like Hardy kind of slipped. I mean, I thought they executed the finish really well because when the 1-2-3 happened, I had a moment of like, you know, was that, you know, you know, look like Hardy did come back and hit his head. You know, like, was that how it was supposed to go down? And then, you know, mm. they sold it. They sold it great. So I think for the execution of what was they're trying to make happen. I thought they did well at that. If we want to just boil down into just what happened tonight, but overall, eh, iffy. Yeah. So Alicia Fox was backstage tonight on TV and in true Alicia Fox fashion, they had nothing for her and they just showed her. She didn't even get a match. Uh, who did get a match though? The authors of pain. They've been MIA for what? Like almost two months now. And tonight they were against rich and Rex Gibson. Justin, is it true? These were two WWE production guys that they put in there as jobbers. <laughs> I don't know that for sure, but it was uh, it was it was funny while it lasted. Their gear yeah. was funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was from the like Santa Elf costumes that they just have in the WWE costume bag. Um, so that was a quick squash, and then Titus Worldwide came out. So it looks like Authors of Pain is going to get something with Titus Worldwide. Matt, what did you think about the reintroduction of Authors of Pain tonight with that vignette? Even having them talk a bit backstage, which was new good where they didn't talk too much yeah right right amount of talking they look like two badass bullies um i just i hate saying this because i like giving people chances that normally don't get chances but i don't like them getting that tightest stank on them <laughs> yeah you know what I mean? yeah. and, and it sounds such a dicky thing to say and i don't mean nothing by it other than what wwe's done to not just them, everybody in that tag division. I mean, Matt Hardy, one of the coolest, still the, one of the coolest gimmicks there is out there, quite frankly, and they can't even use that right. They being yeah. the, the, the writing team. It, it's just, the tag division is just, it's horrible for me as a fan, you know? And it's none of the guys' faults. That's the irony here. It's like you have guys that could be entertaining if you just, they would just let them be. Yeah, you know I mean? and they bury so many of these people. They buried so so many. The B team, um, uh, who did I just say? Titus O'Neil, um, Matt Hardy to to some degree, um, Bray Wyatt definitely. They buried everyone in that division. So now we're supposed to care about all these tag teams. Yeah, it's something, man. I mean, they're doing the promo work with at least uh, Bray and Matt and Bo and Curtis, but with Authors of Pain. Yeah, but it's like, where was this earlier? Do you know what I mean? Before they go past that Mendoza line, you know what I mean? Before it gets you, the, the, the point of no return, where the only way back is these guys to get off, get off TV for six months and then come back, refresh, something new, maybe maybe a new character, something that's new, because that's how much they've written. They've driven a lot of these guys into the ground, in my opinion. Yeah, I didn't know if it was uh, supposed to be a telling play on wor words when uh, Jonathan Coachman <laughs> talked about the ascension of authors in pain, authors of pain, and it was <clears> like, <throat> oh man, the ascension is the prototype for the NXT call up and being just irrelevant in a short amount of time. Ah, it's unfortunate, man. Authors of pain were cool in NXT. Now they need to to be rebuilt, and uh, maybe this was the start of it tonight. Unless they just whip the crap out of everybody, including Titus O'Neil's team. You know, I'd be cool with that. I bet you pre-show at Extreme Rules and it's a competitive match. Justin, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think Extreme Rules sounds about right. Yeah, pre-show. <laughs> it shouldn't be a competitive match. It should be what we saw tonight, but to Titus O'Neil and his boy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. At least one team will be getting over. You know what I mean? Until they get another tag team, they've not buried. Titus had some momentum at the start of the year. I mean, Titus and Apollo picked up some wins. They had some good matches. The Greatest Royal Rumble with Titus World Slide even seemed like, okay, here was another thing. And then in true WWE fashion, two weeks later, they were off TV. But it was one of those things. Let's say back Titus in his most over moment. Were you ever thinking in any of his matches? Did you ever get excited and be like, you know, well, wow, this team is this team is serious. This, this team's this team is definitely some contenders here. No. 
Yeah, not with that. Root for them probably like I do. Like, you know what? This dude has everything it takes. He's tall. He's athletic as hell. He's charismatic as hell. Talk about Titus. What doesn't he have, you know? So you root for him individually is what you end up doing. And that's not the same as being a fan sitting back and thinking, suspending your disbelief and buying into the character that they bury. I'll say this and curious what you guys think. Uh, That primetime player's entrance music is one of the best songs in all of the WWE still. With the whistle? Yeah, the making moves. <laughs> Clangy torch. What? I'm not, not going to do the song. Like, that's a rare one I'll listen to because I'll be like, this is a good rap song. This is catchy. This is, you know, the qualities I look for. Wait, you, wait, you listen to it? Do you listen to it on your daily? Like, not routine? daily, but probably like once every month or so. I'll just get like an odd urge to hear it or <laughs> uh, the Street Profits theme. I like, jam that a lot, you know? What? Street Profits. Yeah, on oh. NXT. Wow. <laughs> CFO does some really good music, although I think Jim Johnston did uh, Primetime Players. I think that was one of his last tracks for the WWE. <laughs> you guys never listen to wrestling theme music ever? Making moves, making moves, <laughs> making million dollar moves. Have I ever? Eye of the Tiger, I think, is the last one I... Oh, and then when I'm a little kid, I listened to, uh, what do you call it, the, their album they always used to put out. Yeah, when I was a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> like Nakamura's old entrance music is still my no. ringtone. It has been for like two years. No. Land of a Thousand Dances. That's <laughs> 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 fine. You know, I drove around the other day, not wrestling related. I drove around, uh, was running some errors, and I had the Super Bowl shuffle on a loop. And I just listened to that nonstop for about an hour. And I was like, why do I love this song so much? <laughs> it's just random things sometimes, folks, that get stuck in your head. Uh, but back to Raw tonight. So we saw uh, Alexa Bliss in a match with Natalia. She came out with Mickey James, cut a lengthy promo. Um, how do you think this compared? I mean, Alexa gets a lot of these type promos where she gets to, you know, Mess with the crowd, assert her dominance. How do you think this stacked up tonight, Matt? You didn't like it? I think that the promise she did so well in the last couple of ones she's done that, again, but I'm not saying it's bad, but you can you do great, great, great good, and it, it just seems long. like a come down. It was long is what I think the problem was. A yeah. little long. Um, and she does hit him out of the park every time she gets a chance, usually, right? Yeah. But uh, I liked it for what it was, you know what I mean? I thought they had her, on her, had her out there a little bit too long, but she, you know what I mean, on the mic for a little too long, but she did good. thought Mickey was good with her. I thought they gave it a different energy. Mickey looked great. Natalia came out. New haircut on Natalia. I think this look actually makes her look younger, um, which is funny. I've always thought Natalia's looked probably more mature than she is, but I thought tonight this is a good new look for her. Uh, she was there with Nia Jax. Nia and Mickey were ringside. I don't know. I mean, doesn't this just all kind of feel like it's placeholder holder at this point until Ronda gets back? How about the fact that you don't say mature, you say mature? I, of course, you say that. Of course, not mature. <laughs> Go ahead, theater. Finish. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just saying, uh, don't you feel like all of this is placeholder until we get Alexa versus Ronda? Oh, God, of course. Yes. 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 Yeah. He feels very mature when he listens to the primetime players. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just one day, Matt, just for you, just so to give our audience a peek into our life. I'm just going to tweet every stupid random thing I do throughout my day for the amusement of, oh, of the Wrestling Inc. listeners and I'm followers. Very, I'm very interested in it. Yes, I'm sure I'll CCU tag you in every, uh, in every tweet. It'll be good. Um, Oh, man. So, okay, let's talk the match tonight, though. Natalia picked up a win. Sharpshooter got Bliss to tap out. Um, what'd you think of uh, the match tonight? Huh, I don't... Let me ask you guys. What do you think about your, your your newly crowned champ tapping out already? Does that mean anything to you guys or not really? Uh, it's just so back and forth. I mean, Justin? No, it means something. I, I spent the majority of this match, unfortunately, uh, the whole... The dynamic of Nia comes out with Natty. Like, I can't, I, I, I've thrown my scorecard away. I can't keep track of who's a heel, who's a face, what the relationship is. One one week, one week, Nia's doing this to Natty to send a message to Rhonda. Then the next, like, I, 
I literally have completely lost all track. And I consider myself a pretty astute observer of this stuff, and I can't keep track of who's on what side. So that kind of distracted me with the match. But yeah, having the newly crowned champ uh, tap uh, this 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 quick, yeah. you know. I just because she's a little chicken shit heel. I yeah. guess that at it, she can always to maybe. I mean, I don't know. I just think of all the ones that took the L. Why did it have to be her champ? Yeah, and with Alexa, especially. I mean, I don't know. You're trying to build her up. the The big plan, I'm assuming, for SummerSlam is Alexa versus Ronda freaking Rousey. Alexa shouldn't be taking any losses between now and then, if we're supposed to believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no one's ever going to think she's unbeatable, right? But she should always be cheating to win and just getting that programmed in our heads that she don't lose. Yeah. We'll always find a way to win. And then it makes it a little bit more believable that, I don't know, Rousey can slip on a banana peel. She pulls out a newsy, shoots her, kills her. Because <laughs> that's the only chance she's got. Yeah, I mean, I think Alexa's pretty good, but I'm gonna have a hard time buying the the the, the tail of the tape when they have <laughs> Ronda and Alexa side by side, and like Alexa, little Miss, little whatever, little Miss Fury, little Miss whatever, Bliss. what little Miss, whatever, five She's feet five, of fury, five feet of fury, standing next to Ronda Rousey, who could, you know, who could, like, it's, I, that's I'm gonna have a real hard time suspending yeah. that disbelief. You're right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just, it seems weird that they're involving so many more women in the story, which is good in a way, though, for the female talent, right, Matt? I mean, because this way, Nia, Natalia, Mickey, they're all in storylines with Ronda Rousey. But yeah. the problem is, it's like its own mini Total Divas size cast in this storyline that they're building towards. It is. And I've always wondered if there could be too many people to get a rub from someone. Like when TNA, um, when Hulk came, like they would put Hulk out there with like fifty of us, and like all hope, like pray for us <laughs> got over from it. You know what I mean? And and I remember thinking like, damn, this sucks because I kind of we're doing our own thing together, me and him, even though we yeah. were not at the time, you know. And then next week I'd see him out there with like, like I said, forty other dudes, and then you know what I mean. So like you're like, I wonder how much. It's too much before that other super, super duper duper talent gets the others over. You know what I mean? What's the cutoff on that, so to speak? You yeah. Know, it's like, it like the NWO all over again. How many guys can we have stand behind Hulk while he cuts a promo when they're in the middle of the ring wearing the same colored shirts? Yeah. Uh, I want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of this episode, Dollar Shave Club. If you are mature enough to shave, Dollar Shave Club, incredible <laughs> blades, incredible value. But not only that, if you shower or brush your teeth or just try to make your hair look presentable, I've got good news for you. Dollar Shave Club has a lot of stuff to help you out. They deliver everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. They've got everything in the bathroom, and they are much more than just razors. Dollar Shave Club, yes, that Dollar Shave Club has everything. Shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, and even a wipe that'll leave your tush feeling tingly clean. I'm a big fan of their amber and lavender calming body cleanser. Never smelled anything like it. It's fantastic. They've got a sage and black pepper soap that I love. Good luck finding that product in a store. And all of Dollar Shave Club's products are made with top shelf ingredients that won't break your budget. You'll feel the difference. Plus, shipping is free with your membership. And here's why you want to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club's products. For just five bucks, you can get their Daily Essentials Starter Set. It comes with Body Cleanser, One Wipe Charlie's, their amazing butt wipes, and their world-famous shave butter, and their best razor, the Six Blade Executive. Keep the blades coming for just a few bucks a month more, and add in the shampoo, toothpaste, and anything else you need. Check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash INC. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash INC. Uh, great company, great products. You've heard Matt talk about using the razors not only to shave his face, but his entire body. Uh, the times I do shave, clean up my beard, Dollar Shave Club is where it's at. Loving the toothpaste, loving all the other products. DollarShaveClub.com slash INC. And we thank them for sponsoring the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Do you want to hear where I shave tonight, Glenn? Do I ever? <laughs> I'm just playing, Joe. That's so easy, Glenn. DollarShaveClub.com slash INC. I know we do <sighs> But I hope they legit know I've been using this before you were even a, like years before they were even a sponsor. The oh, it's great! They came, out, they came out with the coolest commercial ever with the dude that who was walking through a warehouse in the commercial, and it was the most straight up commercial, and it was different than any other commercial I've ever seen. 
it's like a dollar that's it okay i'll try it and i've never we've never stopped it's been it has to be like eight years nine oh years. yeah it's all legit like i know when i watch the show and they hear commercials like oh they've got to say that this is as legit of a product as they come but again eight or nine years i'm pretty stingy i'm very frugal with my money and uh whether it's a dot like again it's been years years and i've not stopped my membership uh so after that okay so we had backstage the riot squad uh messing up a jinder mahal and Sunil Singh photo shoot uh the riot squad uh trashing a camera showing you know they're bad girls folks that's really the message is trying to get across uh riot squad going on to face ember moon sasha banks and bailey sasha and bailey being forced to work together in this match match itself was what it was there was a distraction banks got rolled up for the win but let's talk about what really happened after which is bailey snapping beating the crap out of sasha they bleeped her they bleeped her yelling you ain't shit <laughs> um this is the heel turn man matt did it live up to your hopes and dreams i was happy her right better than what it's been um, it's been five years too late, but still, it's again, it's something new. I'm interested now. I'm interested in what she can do with this. So now I'll be, I'm going to be ten times more interested on the follow up. What, what is he like? How good is he, Bailey? Let's see. You know what I mean? Yeah, Justin, how about you? What'd you think? I enjoyed everything we saw tonight with that, and I, obviously, I can understand how us and anybody else would say, okay, that was a heel turn. But unfortunately, the bearer of bad news, I might have said, this might not end up being the heel term we think. This might end up being, you know, if she has to have counseling or whatever, or I could very easily see this turning into the build of maybe her and Sasha, whether it's to, um, to Extreme Rules or even if they stretch it to SummerSlam, if it's something like, you know, Bailey's not now a heel, but she's just now more <laughs> sure of herself and standing up for something. I could see them balking at going full-fledged heel, as they probably should. I mean, but I, I could... I'm just going to warn everybody. Let me see what happens next week and the week after before we go all in and say, yeah, Bailey has this great heel turn. I, I could see them botching this and, and, and it not being a heel Bailey, but just a Bailey who's, who's again, just standing up for herself. And that's how they, they phrase this. I, you know, I don't know. I, I have a weird feeling that it's not going to be what we all think it should be. They're in a lot of trouble. Uh, the girls are if it's not a full heel turn. I agree. I bet you they're looking at social media tonight, seeing what the response is. They'll probably send out an email survey tomorrow to the fan council, uh, do their feedback, and then decide if they want to go further with this or walk it back in the next couple of weeks. They're obviously not listening because there's no way they would have gotten positive reviews, um, I don't know, 16 weeks ago? Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, that's true. <laughs> argument to be made for that as well. Even if you look at the – you know, because how when WWE brings up the tweets of what yeah. people are tweeting about – yeah. The like a segment or two later after the Bailey heel turn, all the tweets they ran about Bailey was all all tweets. Obviously, they pulled from real people, but it was all tweets saying, "Finally, Bailey, you had it in you." It was all this like support Bailey. She stood up. That's what got me a little weary. Is I'm reading the tweets first off, and then I'm just like, oh. you know, and then there's so, and then then they're saying that she's gonna go to counseling. I'm like, oh, man, I have a feeling they're not gonna follow through with this. This is gonna turn into some kind of a, uh, you know, she's just standing up for herself kind yeah. of thing. I don't know. She's more sure of herself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, but that's just kind of the bad feeling I have right now. I think if it's full here, the heel, they'll change her look, get rid of the ponytail, do something that distinguishes it clearly from the Bailey we've known, so that way they can turn it back at some point. Yes. Yes. You know, Make her, you know the what's that saying, Glenn? Um, going away makes the heart grow fonder. What is that yeah, called? Yeah, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah, that. You know what I mean? Make her go away. Hug, hugging Bailey, go away. And that's a shame. She should not have to go away for a year. But have her have that character, go away for a year, come back and do it right this time around when she's babyface again. Yeah. Well, time will tell. Next week we will know if they're going to go further into this or not. Uh, but, yeah, it's interesting if Bailey's supposed to be the bad girl and Sasha – because, man, Sasha's such a good heel. So maybe Sasha will leapfrog her. Maybe that's what will happen is this will turn yeah. Sasha in the long run. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, no Way Jose versus Mojo Raleigh. And oh, the star boy. of the segment, Todd the Cheeseburger. Dude, Todd the Cheeseburger got made tonight. <laughs> I mean, in two seconds, right? Like, he got a reaction Mojo hasn't gotten in two years. Well, first of all, Mojo killed that tonight. Oh, it was very good. He murdered that promo. I believed everything he said. 
He had conviction. His facials were spot on. His body light. You, he believes in himself. And it's not a corny package anymore. I, I, I'm very impressed. I'll be very honest. It's better than I ever thought he'd be because I always had a goofy character running around your own, staying hype. You know what I mean? So this is a very – I love this. I think there's a hell of a lot of potential in him. I mean, and then well, No Way Jose got completely punked out. I mean – that segment was like a freaking proverbial teabag right on his damn face. Like, that was the worst segment he could have been part of. No way, Jose. A new character on the show. He got punked. Dude said he ain't good enough to wrestle him. Okay? Todd got more over than him. And then he comes out of the ring, gets snuffed in the face, falls down, and stays there. Yeah. All, all I could think about was George Carlin's bit about stupid names, and he says, I'm getting really sick of guys named Todd. That's all I could hear. <laughs> yeah. Actually, well, I'm old enough to know it. Yeah. <laughs> That's sad. I actually remember that. But, um, Todd, Kyle, and Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Tucker. Tucker sucks. Dude, that was bad, man, like for, for Noe Jose, though. Horrible. No, absolutely. Mojo, though, was really good. He was really good tonight, and I think this is the heel mojo that we need. I mean, just straight up. I think they need to take this further, and I like that. I mean, he should be dressing down, you know, they should do an audience plant and have him dress down, you know, a guy in the audience, of course, that's planted there, but have him do more of that uh, backstage talent, even something. But uh, I really like this tonight. I thought it was really good. Like in two former um, football players, he and Baron Corbin, of what happens when you take a legitimate athlete, when I say legitimate, like a professional, a former professional athlete from a different genre, like football, right? And you get them to stop doing corny stuff and let them dial into who the hell they are when they get mad and angry, right? Baron, for whatever reason, when it was his turn to do it, when he was first getting that push with the skullet, facial (laughs) never had that. If you go back and watch, he never had the facials nor the body language and in my opinion, the believability in himself in those moments when he'd be, you know, in someone's face or being a dick to somebody or being a heel and, and things like that. Whereas you saw Mojo tonight get the opportunity. He was all the way dialed into that person. I believe that who he is. And there's, it, was easy as, it was easy as hell to suspend your disbelief for that. I buy that character and I will continue buying it. Yeah, I dug it. Um, and bring back Todd. Todd's, you know, star in the making. Uh, Todd's definitely not a wrestler. And there's no way Todd was an indie wrestler somewhere. Todd's a backstage dude. He has to be. Look at him. Yeah. Um, after that, Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens versus Finn Balor and Baron Corbin. Kurt Angle, for some reason, said, we're just going to shake up what we did last week, but do it differently. Make you guys all work together in opposite pairs. What do you think of this match and this booking, Matt? I mean, to me, this felt very much like we have nothing for you individually. It's like you're doing it on part of the story. It's ruining the show somehow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he's doing a horrible job or something. Because that's the only thing I can think of. Because that was rotten. And uh, at the end of the day, Braun came out looking like a heel. Like what a dick! <laughs> Ko wins. Ko's excited about it. He wants to high five him. God forbid. And freaking angry man, damn near blows his car up over it. Yeah, that was fun. The cap run at the end of Kevin running away from Braun and then Braun flipping over his rental car. <laughs> I didn't like Kevin running out of the ring. By the way, I didn't like that. I didn't like him. It's okay to be a chicken shit sometimes. It's okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know. They made him look like too much like a puss. Like. But he wouldn't shake his hand. He was, next thing you know, he was all the way up the damn ramp, falling out over his feet. It was a little too, a little too wily coyote for me. Oh, when he started running, I could hear the Benny Hill theme in my head. Like, when he started running that fast out of the ring. You know? That was funny. I mean, Kevin's awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. They not to really screw him up, in my opinion, but... Character-wise, and you know what I mean. Like Kevin's also a badass. I know he's not the biggest guy on the roster, but I don't know. As a fan, he's always—I've always been able to suspend my disbelief. And him being once that bell sounds, a tough mother, you know what? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean? He's funny and all. He's got to watch it. You know what I mean? With the chicken shit heel stuff, a little bit. They got to be careful. And I get it, it's Braun Strowman. He's eight feet tall. He's five hundred pounds. I get it. But uh, 
you're damaging your top, technically your top heel. Yeah, what'd you think, Justin? Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a huge Braun fan, but I thought the whole execution of post match was weird with the whole you know Braun doesn't want to shake his hand or anything, and then the way Kevin exited so fast, and then Braun's chasing him. It, it was kind of weird. I mean, yeah, it was a little a little funny with the car thing, but it, it was just very odd. I, I don't know. So, and for anybody who cares, uh, the next pay per views here in Pittsburgh, they they have changed the advertisements each week um, as Cass has been fired, and they've changed things all all through the advertisements of what they're. Um, saying it's going to happen, which is always subject to change. But uh, the latest advertisement that ran tonight, uh, just before this segment took place, was they're advertising Braun versus Kevin Owens in a steel cage at Extreme Rules here in Pittsburgh. So take that for whatever you want. Oh, See, now, man. The only thing that kind of is, that fucks up, that screws up, excuse me, the, the, <laughs> the disbelief a little bit is he can't pop up powerbomb Braun Strowman. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we know there's one weapon he can't hit in this match. That's why you got to hit a finisher. You can hit on everybody from Stephanie McMahon to Big Show, as the rule goes. I agree. Mm. Absolutely agree. Although I love his finisher, so there I'm being hypocritical. I don't know. You got to be able to hit it on everybody, and it's got to be something that t- doesn't take uh, five minutes to set up. Hit it somewhat quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I do like the pop-up power bomb. It's different, right? It's just. It's not a weapon now. He cannot hit that on him. There's no way. That was weird. Everything decided it needed to reload immediately on my computer. You guys can hear me okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, so after that, uh, you know, uh, rest in peace, Kevin Owens' rental car, we went to the main event, the Intercontinental title match, Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler. It's got like 40 minutes tonight with Drew McIntyre ringside on Dolph Ziggler. Uh, we touched upon it. Um, I believe at this top of the show, the DQ ending that allowed Ziggler to retain with McIntyre interfering. Matt, what did what did you think of this match? Awesome match. Very worthy of a main event. No, even before it started, you knew that was a main event match. Um, love the match. I don't know what else to really say. Like, this is probably my favorite match of the night, obviously. Um, I just still think it should be Drew in that spot, not Dolph. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to talk about this match other than it was a great match, and I wish it was, you know, Drew instead of Dolph. Yeah. Justin, what'd you think of the match? Yeah, I mean, best match of the night, as you'd expect it to be. I mean, look, I'm sure it was great for the people live. I, I do, I do get pulled away, even though, it, even though it was for something, even though it was for a title, and it was in the main event spot. So you feel like, okay, something could happen here. You know, these matches that are 25, 30 minutes with multiple commercials, and you know, and you have, you know, and I, I get it. I mean, I. I get the TV world. I get that you got to go to break, you know, and I get that 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 WWE feels these two guys putting on the match they are is going to keep people uh, hanging on uh, segment to segment. But it's just you know when you have this great action going on, you have Michael Cole going, "Oh my God, what's going to happen next?" And this critical point, and then we cut to commercial. You know, we don't even have the picture in picture like they're doing SmackDown. It just really bugs me, but it is what it is. I, I, I agree with what Matt said. I kind of you know, I mean, no disrespect to Dolph, but been there, done that. I'd rather see McIntyre in the spot, uh, and then post match. Uh, as the shenanigans are going on, I don't know if anybody else thought this. I was kind of actually not not waiting for Roman Reigns' music to hit. I was actually waiting for like a return of a Dean Ambrose or somebody. I kind yeah, of felt like that, that would have been happening. Me too. Yeah, it should have been Dean, not Roman coming out there. Are you guys different? No, but same topic, I guess. Are you guys big fans of Dean Ambrose? Yeah, I like Dean a lot. I think I miss it all together. I, I loved oh. him. He was in FCW. He remind, I remember like saying he reminded me a little bit of paper. Um, how he did his promos, how he was so unorthodox with how he spoke, the passion he had, um, his body language. But, like, that was really it. Once he wrestled, I, I'm not impressed by the physique. Um, I, I don't I, I don't know what it is about him that disconnects with me. Yeah. And I mean, when he came to the main roster, I still thought he would be the best of the three because he was the best on the mic. And usually that's who they give the ball to first when given pushes, right? But everyone screamed, we want Roman instead. So like, I don't get it with Dean when I'm missing because I know I'm wrong because everyone loves him. So I know, uh, I, you know what I mean? Like I I'm feel, something. No, I think with Dean, the same thing when he was uh, in developmental, you know, he, and he, even prior to that on, on the stuff in the Indies, he came across as Piper Pillmish. He came across as very loose cannon. Uh, and I think he fit well in the shield, you know, that pack of dogs, kind of the pack of wolves kind of thing. But yeah, once he went into the singles run, 
I don't know if it's from the ridiculous spots that I know we've talked about here of, you know, of hitting the ropes after he's been hit a few <laughs> times and come back to the clothesline, or if it's, you know, I think back to the match he had at Mania a few years ago with Brock Lesnar. Like, I, I feel like there's just, I feel like he hasn't tapped into the fullest potential. And I don't know if that's on his part or if that's restrictions, yeah. that he, that, if it's restrictions that, that's being put down on him. But yeah, I feel like we haven't tapped into, like, what he really could be, and I'm not sure what the reason is for Bro, you're right. When he was Johnny Moxley is when he drew my most interest, actually. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I remember thinking, like, wow. Like, he did some backstage promo, I remember saying, saying uh, for Ring of Honor or one of the, one of the uh, smaller smaller company than that even. And I remember being like, holy bleep, like, that's a major league promo this guy is. And I kept YouTubing him and watching more and going, wow, this dude is phenomenal. Yeah. I'm like, and then... I don't know what it is. Is this gear? I don't know what it is. It's just a disconnect I have once the bell rings with him. Yeah. I, I think because he had more intensity on the indies. And he was talking about this when he did that Stone Cold interview. Um, you know, this idea that he had a crappy childhood, kind of a nothing life. And the only thing that does it for him is getting hurt and hurting people in the ring. Like, to me, that's a hell of a character uh, with the intensity behind it. And when he was champ... I mean, what, they made him, you know, he was kind of funny, wacky, baby-faced Dean. I liked the comedy. I thought it hit more than a missed, but it's not intense. That's for sure. But, you know, if you go back and watch that that podcast he did on the WWE Network with Austin, you know, where you could steal on camera so you could really read body language, uh, I, I mean, I'd, I'd love for people to go back and watch this. You know, it, it kind of really came off that even Steve, in his own way, without completely calling the guy out 100%. It even seemed like Steve was even saying, like, man, are you, are you, have you not pushed it into the fourth gear yet? It even seemed like he called him out. It was uncomfortable. He, did you remember that? It kind of felt that way at times. Yeah, yeah. it was. He was right. Um, Dean is a, Maybe it's Dean as a heel. Maybe that's what it is, because he was a heel when I look back when he was Moxley that I was the most entertaining. Like, I remember texting a lot of my friends, like, do you guys know who this dude is? Like, And I... And I forward him the youtube clip of one of his promos he was so damn he still is he's a great promo. well matt do you remember what what they were going to start with and then and then foley couldn't get cleared the, the shot the angle they shot very youtube very cell phone of him and foley in the hotel yes uh, before, remember that before he came up with yeah. the shield and you know and i think i think uh, yeah. i think mick's talked about it since and maybe even amber you know like mick you know they wouldn't physically clear him and and so it kind of you know, nothing ever happened to him. But even that, it felt so real. Like, oh my god! Like, this is the way to this is the way to utilize that guy, and they never could do it. So it just kind of it didn't go anywhere. I mean, he did pretty good for himself in the shield, though. Come All on, right? Sure, no, sure. But I just, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm the only one who does the disconnect with him because I know fans go crazy for him. So I know I'm in the minority on that. Um, maybe as a heel, maybe that's what it is. Hmm. Yeah, I think he's a likable guy, and I think his on-screen persona seems to be i mean a lot of his personality you know the parts we see of it um and other stuff so i don't know i'm looking forward to him coming back because having roman come out at the end tonight when roman pulls double duty it's like oh it's just here's what, here's what it is it just hit me they yeah. don't do a good job of writing for baby faces think yeah. about think about who we've liked roman was a bad mamma jamma as a heel in the shield right that's why everyone started to like want him to be the guy because he was silent and killer looking and the arena started taking to him a little bit more and more and more. Um, think about that for a minute. All the guys were much better written for when they were heels, not just shield, but like all the talent for whatever reason, writers, if they're being honest with themselves, they'll tell you the truth on this. Very select few will do it because they value their job. But if they're to test, they will tell you and admit they prefer to write for heels because heels have a much larger canvas to work with. And they could do all of these different things. And that's the wrong way to look at it because you shouldn't be writing comedy for heels and things of that nature if you're doing your job to get the person heat. Well, and that's what's wrong. Well, Matt, I mean, heels are easy to write for in, in anything, whether you're writing a movie, a comic book, whatever. But even more so right now in today's current landscape – the heels when they're when they're when they're really effective and good at being heels or they're good at being in the ring, all of a sudden they get babyface reaction. So it's like you, you mm. kinda have more of a win win situation with the crowd. Whereas get, if you have no. a face you're gonna get crap a lot easier. You get no, they get babyface reactions because the writer writes something really good for them backstage or in a pre tape or in a promo segment or 
doing something really badass, like pulling down an entire Lesnar. Um, different and cool things like that. Look what they're doing for Braun. They're not doing like tonight. You know what I mean? Even tonight with the car thing, he should have. They should have showed him flipping it. They should have showed him doing something a little bit more, which they did with him as a heel. They put more time into the heels, and they end up. Be, they think it's more fun to do that. They're more invested in writing for those heels in general, and they shortchange the babyface. Yeah, I think part of it too. I mean, I don't know. When's the last time? I mean, Vince has his fingerprints on everything. I mean, what was the last great, real white meat babyface? You know, I don't think that's Vince's ballpark. Um, not with current times, at least. Brock, Brock Lesnar when his music hits, and that's mm. not by design. It's because he's a bad. He gives off that badass vibe that everyone gets goosebumps when his music hits. And actually, you can make that argument that the best baby faces of, let's say, the post two thousand were real life circumstances, like the Daniel Bryan, right. like CM Punk. Yes, nobody wrote for that shit. Yeah. And, you know, I think when Vince tries to write it, it just comes across as fake and forced, and the audience doesn't buy it. Um, so final thoughts on Raw before we get to uh, one of the news stories from this week. Nope. Matt, uh, so you, what, what grade would you give the show overall? To? All right. What do you think I'm going to give it? Uh, C+. Plus. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> C? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Justin? Yeah, I'll go with C too. It was kind of, I honestly, I was just waiting for it to get over so we could do this podcast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Uh, big story uh, rumor at this point still about the Undertaker and SummerSlam that he might have a potential storyline. Um, in addition to him doing the Australia show in October. Um, yeah, and he's active on Instagram now. Take that for what it's worth. Justin, oh, have you heard anything? What's that? He is. Uh, what was that? Michelle McCool confirmed that it's him doing his own Instagram. He, it's called the. What's his site called? Undertaker. His web. Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't looked at it yet. Um, I will look right now. But Justin, can you shed light on this rumor? Have you heard anything? Uh, yeah, I've heard they're looking. The Undertaker's, you know, possibly going to have a match at uh, at SummerSlam and Barclays. Last year they're going to be at Barclays here for at least a couple of years. Last year I think what's been a three or four year contract. Um, I, I think we might see something fresh. You know, they, they've kind of rehashed with The Undertaker. You know, we've seen Roman Reigns. We've seen, obviously, Triple H's, and I know he's fighting H again for the, the big Australia show. Um, if I can go out on a limb, I'd say I think we could see something fresh. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw something with somebody who WWE's put a lot of time into. Uh, I could see something like an Undertaker versus Elias. Oh, yeah, where was Elias tonight? Nothing for him this week, and, you know, he had a very... He had a very uh, vague last week of just singing a song, but I think yeah. they put a lot of time in Elias, and I, I think uh, I don't know. I, I think that's something I could see for a SummerSlam match for for Taker's appearance and something easy. You know, Elias can build to it without needing Taker around. Just with the case of Elias and the guitar and the promos, I don't know. It's something I could see because they're not going to put Undertaker against anybody who's who's been half-assed, and, and and Elias is one of the few guys who they have really have not half-assed, but also yeah. Elias really doesn't have anything coming up, so. So Matt, it's Undertaker on Instagram. He's got the the check mark. He follows uh, three people: Michelle McCool, Texas Football, and uh, rapper Post Malone. So there you have it. <laughs> um, so Taker versus Elias. What do you think of that match potentially, Matt? I don't think it's a match. I think Homeboy sings, Taker's gong hits, and Joke slams the living you know what out of him. One, two, three. It's not a full scale match. It'll, it will never be. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably what we're going to get. From doesn't have to be. I'd be happy with it. Yeah, people like seeing him. I mean, you know, but I just wanted them to give him a good story uh, in all oh, of this. It's not going to be a story. I know, still. <laughs> you know, I just always want something more. Uh, can, we, can we talk about Taker on stage at a Post Malone concert smashing guitars? Like, that's... Did we see that? No. You Strange didn't see that? Thing. No. Wait, no, that that actually happened. I thought that actually, that actually happened. That's why he's following Post Malone. He Post Malone did a show in Texas recently, like like last week. And fine, and a Taker goes on stage and helps smash guitars. Hmm. It was the Undertaker. We'll get Post Malone uh, in the segment with Elias building the match. Post Malone go. will be Taker's mouthpiece. There you go. This will be like uh, Bo Rida all over again. Oh, good Lord. Anything else we should cover before we take things home here? Did you guys already talk about Big Cass being fired? Uh, we did last Wednesday, right? Yeah, because it happened last Tuesday. What do you think of that, Matt? Big big guy to big guy. 
Uh, what, what's your take? Uh, he must have really effed up. I wouldn't say he did. He supposedly kicked open a, what was it, a bathroom door that was he, was, he thought he was locked in on a tour bus overseas, something like that, amongst like 50 other different things. <laughs> um, I don't know what the breaking point was. It must, I mean, you know what I mean? He still gave him his match for Daniel Bryan at that pay per view. You know what I mean? I don't, I'm just surprised especially in today's day and age where he really stood out back in when I was there, there's a bunch of big guys still there. You know yeah. what I mean? You still have Kane, Undertaker, big show. You, you had Heidenreich still in developmental coming up. You had Snitsky in developmental coming up. Um, you had other guys that were my, you know, near my height. You know what I mean? It wasn't that big of a deal. Today there is no seven footers. You know what I mean? So I don't know what he did. Yeah, Justin, what have you heard? I mean, is it true that it was a combination of a lot of things, not just one thing? Yeah, there was a lot of mounted frustration on both sides. I mean, you had from WWE side of things, from, you know, maybe him not following directions, uh, like, you know, with the one segment we all talked about with the little Dana Bryan last month, to uh, behavior and, you know, how you hold yourself and what have you, and then frustration on his side. You know, he, this you know, big people might forget because he didn't come on the radar until just a couple of years ago. But this is a guy that had been there, that had been with the company, been in their system since 2011. Wow, so he'd been around, he'd been around a little bit. So you know that that you know that can build some frustration after a while. You know, you just you just want to, you just want to get there. You want to do what you got to do. You want to take chances because maybe you're, maybe you're being told one minute to take chances, but the next minute you know it's not the right thing. So yeah, mounting frustration uh, sucks. You know, he's a, got a lot of natural gifts, God-given gifts with the size and everything. I to, to try to look at the uh, to try to look at the positivity. Very few people left WWE when the door shuts. Very few people have the door locked on them. So you know, time can heal wounds. Look at look at Jinder Mahal. Look at Drew McIntyre. Guys who left. Maybe they went away. Maybe they matured. Maybe they got themselves in a better place. Maybe they bettered their value. You know, working the places. So if you know, if he can stay out of trouble and find a way to use this time, assuming he's going to stay in the business, um, you know, it, there's nothing that says in another two three years he couldn't come back. He's only thirty right now, so he's not you know he's hmm. not past his peak yet. Here's the thing, WWE. Get your money. You know, before you make these moves, get your money out of the talent. That's what he's been in the, the developmental for so long. You get your money back. You know what I mean? You develop him into that main event act that you saw him as when you signed him, and then he moves along the way and matures as a talent. I think and try to get your money out of it. You know, I'm not saying a big guy deserves more opportunity than the next, but I'm saying a big guy deserves a little bit more opportunity than the next because there's not another one of him growing on a tree somewhere yeah and he, he was a long-term investment i mean he was with the company t since 2010 2011 get money out of that daniel yeah. Bryan doing two jobs is not getting your money out of him yeah no, i agree with that um cool guys well, we'll be back here wednesday 12 noon eastern to talk about smackdown live uh matt anything you want to plug before we take it home i'm good okay uh yeah i'm going to rubenstein uh justin labar Give uh, your site and podcast a quick plug here. Yeah, at Justin LaBarge, my Twitter account has my Wrestling Reality podcast every Wednesday. It has uh, clips from Chair Shot Reality here on Wrestling Inc. every weekend. It's um, where the best to find me. Sounds good, guys. I'm Glenn Rubenstein. You can find me on Twitter at Glenn Rubenstein, and we'll see you back here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care.